real people, real conversations over coffee. This is Meet Me for Coffee. I'm Dr. Christopher Hall, and this is Meet Me for Coffee. I just want to talk to you. You're a medical expert. Well, I'd say uh, probably a medical expert in emergency medicine, but probably know a little bit about infectious disease. Oh, infectious disease. So at what age did you um, find the passion for to be in the medical field or even in, in uh, the study, what, you, what you've studied in the past? Awesome. That's a great question. Um, you know what? I guess I was kind of a late bloomer in that regards because, um, you know, my goal was I, I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid. And, um, and then when I went to college, probably when I think probably my first year of college is when I read this book called Fatal Vision. And so I read about a doctor in that book, and that, that kind of inspired me to, to go into medicine. Medicine. So, obviously, we're all part of this, the pandemic right now, coronavirus. What's your thoughts on it? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. Um, this, um, you know, pandemic that we're currently in with the COVID-19 virus, I think that uh, the most... Um, Probably chilling thing about it is the spread, how fast it's been spreading. Now, certainly there's been other viruses in the past that have been very similar. You know, we've had to go back thinking about the swine flu. Um, we also had, uh, back in 2003, you had the, the MERS virus, uh, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome virus, and so that was very similar. But, um, again, I think it's, um, it's you know, it's concerning uh, uh, what we've been seeing worldwide. Let's be let's be real here. Is this a man-made virus? Let's crush all the conspiracy theories out there. Is it a man-made virus? Is it a natural virus? And how is it transmitted? Wow, another great question. So I personally don't believe it's a man-made virus. Um, this is what we know. We know that that virus originates uh, in bats. And we know that um, in China, where we saw this outbreak, we know that they have uh, live animal markets there. And so kind of what happens is uh, the bat, which is in the wild, can infect uh, wild mammals, whether it's cats or, or um, even uh, wild um, uh, coyotes or dogs. So when that, uh, when those things are sold, uh, the bat bites the say, wild cat, the cat is about the live China uh, food market. Um, and then that, uh, cat is turned into some type of edible food. And then we have transmission of the virus from the bat to the cat, then to the human being. Um, with humans, um, what we're finding out is that that, that actual virus enters the um, uh, body through the capillaries in the lung. And the particular uh, receptors there, you have the angiotensin 2 receptors. And so the virus enters the cells because we know the viruses just have RNA and no DNA, so they can't replicate. And so that's how they replicate, by, by infecting cells. They enter the cell, they take over the nucleus, um, they tell the cell, hey, look, you're going to start producing myself uh, the virus. And so that's what happens when, getting, when this virus infects the lung. Now, I'm using a term here, um, something called a cytokine storm is what occurs. In other words, that's part of the immune system where it's a very powerful uh, strongly from, from from the immune system uh, to a virus, um, and that's what happens in this case. Uh, the injury occurs in the lung, and so you have destruction of those capillaries around the alveoli, no exchange of oxygen, 
And so that's why we have patients who are really short of breath. So it infects the lung. Is it irreversible damage after the coronavirus goes through the body and they obviously survive? And so that's the thing. Now, for the patients who end up in a place like um, ICU, um, and we know these are patients who are over the age of 60 and who may have comorbid um, compromising conditions, COPD, diabetes, and their immune system's weak. And so um, the point at which you get so much destruction of the alveolar in the lung uh, to where the patient uh, goes into a, a more severe syndrome uh, called ARDS, that one typically is reversible. But in general, no. I think the, the effects of the virus in the body are, are, are not going to be something that's um, irreversible in most people. Because most of us um, won't, won't get um, have the full symptoms of the uh, coronavirus. Does heat or the extreme cold really kill the virus? There's been no data to support that up to this point. Okay. Earlier today, I heard a radio program and uh, there was also a virus expert on there. And he said that a third of the colds and flus in general have Corona in them. Is that true? You know what? That's very true. And I'm glad you brought that point out because I'll let you know that, you know, the common cold has been around for a while. Um, we typically associate the rhinovirus with the common cold, but the fact is is that there are virus caused the the, uh, the um, common cold. And so, um, and then again, what we're seeing in children is that children particularly are not uh, being affected by this uh, COVID-19 uh, virus. And so we know they have strong immune systems. And so, um, but yeah, that's that, that, that is true. Yeah, a third of the of just common colds are, are likely caused by the coronavirus. Is this an airborne virus? Like, like, how do I transmit it to someone else? Do I have to, like, have my saliva uh, make contact with them or in their mouth? Or how, do, how, does, how does someone become infected? Exactly. Great question. So, uh, basically, it's kind of airborne. And so, um, typically through coughing, uh, droplets, um, any type of droplets uh, that that can be transmitted, and so yeah, I mean you 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 would be able to get it through saliva, no doubt. Um, but what we're find, what we're seeing now with the pandemic is that it's mainly through um, a respiratory aspect from people coughing. So you're in Alabama. You said there were, earlier there was um, a bit over 400 cases. How rapid can this thing really ramp up? in the next coming days, if it's not contained, are you uh, guys on quarantine in, in Alabama? What What's the deal there? Exactly. So I think in general, certain things have been shut down just like across the nation, the public schools, uh, any places where there are large gatherings. Uh, there's not a particular uh, quarantine curfew uh, in, here in Alabama. Um, but um, certainly uh, the precautions are, are, are being taken. Uh, they're being taken nationally. So what are the precautions to take uh, if you don't want to get coronavirus? Or what should you be doing besides washing your hands? Awesome. Awesome question. So, of course, we need to, to wash our hands. Um, but other things are you want to try to keep a distance from people who are actually um, Corona um, uh, virus positive or who, who are displaying symptoms that may have coronavirus. That distance, uh, the CDC recommends is six feet. And so if you're actually 10 feet, 
away, you're probably doing uh, yourself pretty good. Again, cleaning the um, countertops that are in your home, in the kitchen. Um, and, um, and those are the main things. And wearing a mask, also wearing a mask, okay? Um, I think wearing a mask anywhere right now is probably okay. Uh, uh, but certainly if you're, again, around someone who's positive or who have symptoms, uh, then yeah, certainly wearing a mask, keeping that distance, and washing um, your hands. Uh, if it's an alcohol-based uh, solution, make sure it's at least 60% or more of alcohol. And if I have it and I don't show any symptoms, how do I know I have it? Do I have to get a test? That's totally right. You definitely, um, they have a test now. They don't have a rapid test yet, but the test now takes 24 hours to return. So if you are, you know, you've been in contact with someone with the coronavirus, um, or if you're displaying symptoms, again, those things would be as simple as cough, fever, shortness of breath, then um, calling your primary care doctor and inquiring about um, getting a test is certainly a good idea. Now, the point you bring up is very important because a lot of people are asymptomatic, and so they don't know that they actually uh, are infected. And and I think what we're, we're going to see the next couple of days is that we have a dramatic increase in the number of cases because now the testing is, is, is kind of in all 50 states. But the fact is some of those people who are testing positive have already had the coronavirus and they, no one just knew. So that's the scary part about this. What should we fear about the coronavirus? And, um, you know, obviously many of us have had a cold or the flu. So, you know, I could say I have had right. the coronavirus in the past, but what makes this one a bit more stronger or, or much more uh, vigilant than the other ones? Well, see, that's the thing. That's why I predict, I, I particularly, um, uh, I think it's that we just don't have, at this point, uh, the immunity built up to it as a community, which would be like herd immunity is what they would call that. Herd immunity is the fact that uh, lots of people are immunized in the community to where really uh, no one can actually get the illness and so no one can actually pass the illness on. So we don't have that yet because it hasn't built up. Um, and therefore, that's why we're seeing so many rapid cases. Again, I want people to realize that these cases are in, in elder, older people, uh, age 60, and then again, cases... Uh, uh, people who are also immunocompromised or have um, uh, diseases like COPD, diabetes, those kind of things. Um, what we should be a little bit concerned about, though, are those younger people um, who have no conditions at all who um, um, who become infected uh, and, and who have severe symptoms uh, of outcome because that those people... Um, we really think what's going on, you know, because we can say, hey, the majority of them, smokers, you know, compromise, okay, we have a reason, we can, we see a group, but when you start having the people who we don't expect to have this infection, or, or we don't expect them to become severely Ill, Ill from the infection, then we need to really question that. The good thing is that there's been very few of those cases. We've gone through SARS, H1N1. What makes Corona, I mean, H1N1 killed about 500,000 people. Um, right, exactly. What what makes corona, like, 
worse than all of these, or is it worse than SARS? It, it, yeah, no, and, right, yeah, I mean, it's a good question, and, I, and, I, and, and so that's what I'm going to say. I don't think it is. I mean, I think that we're just early on with this virus. I don't think that, it, and, and, and like I said, the only thing really that's dramatic about it is the spread so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 the virulence of the, those other viruses were, are, were um, uh, just as bad uh, again, but this one you're seeing a lot more attack, I think, with the respiratory system. You don't see so much the diarrhea, um, like a lot of other viruses, you see the diarrhea, you see respiratory. Um, this is maybe because we're seeing so many people affected um, uh, with severe respiratory illnesses, is why people are thinking this is a little bit more um, worse than the other ones. What are some symptoms of the coronavirus? Exactly. Now, the main, main, main ones that you should be worried about, okay, that would make you think maybe instead of calling my primary care doctor, um, I might need to call someone else. And that is the severe shortness of breath, the burning in the chest, feeling that you can't breathe, um, coughs, another symptom, um, high fever. And the worst symptom is confusion, confusion and dizziness and being lightheaded. That's kind of the, the worst because that means that, um, you know, you have a lot of systemic environments such that you're not getting enough oxygen to the brain and now you're getting confused. So, yeah, that's one where you might want to be calling 911. So that's that last one, uh, the confusion part, that's been left out of a lot of, uh, you know, people preaching to us the symptoms, you know. It's always the shortness of breath, yes. the headache, the soreness, right. but no one's, right. no one's said right. that, you know? Um, why? Exactly. Why? Why hasn't anybody said this? And what's the longevity of this, this virus here in, in North America? Or what's it going to take for us to actually uh, get rid of this or put it, to, put it to rest? Well, you know what? I think what's really going to take is time. What we need to we need to hope that it doesn't come back stronger um, in the fall. You know, sometimes you'll have these viral episodes. We'll get a handle, it'll go away, and then it comes back a lot stronger in the fall. That's actually what happened with uh, what they described as the Spanish flu um, uh, way back in the, the early 1900s. Is that um, they thought they had it under control, and then wintertime came, and wow, it was devastating. So uh, that, that's the main thing. Um, like I said, uh, a, va- a vaccine has already been synthesized. Um, as of two days ago, they've been testing that vaccine. And my projection would be probably uh, three months of be vaccinating people. And once we start vaccinating people, uh, once um, you know a large um, uh, of population is vaccinated, then therefore the virus, you know, they won't, they won't get infected, they can't pass it. And then really this process now of the infections that are occurring is uh, building up immunity in people's system. And so you'll get that herd immunity. And, uh, but we're still looking probably, uh, I think, six months or more before this gets under control. I'm trying to figure this out now. How do, how do we let this happen? In a world like today, you think that we're so far advanced that every animal uh, pretty much that we consume has some type of virus. And there's a, a virus transmission, am I correct, to the human when we eat like, you know, a chicken or, you know, beef or some animal, right? And transmission from animal to human has been going on for quite some time. So what tipped this one off to like, have they said it's, you said it was from bats, but is that confirmed? 
Yeah, definitely confirmed. It's all over the internet, and and and, and you can actually uh, uh, read about it. But um, but I mean, the again in in China, you know, they're they're making bat soup, and then you have basically the wild animals who have no bat. They're not bat. They're not. They're, uh, no, they're not vaccinated. The, the wild animals, and 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 so, and they're not clean, <laughs> and, yep. and so they're taken to the store and cooked. And that that there, I mean, that's you've got you're not starting with one virus. You're, I mean, you've got millions of parts of the virus there. That these people are uh, that can affect people. So, but it's a, it's a, um, it's incredible, Chris, because um, we those, those people at the Wuhan market where they say it all started. Uh, I'm not even sure if it, right. if it all started there, but They've been eating those stuff and these animals and that stuff, this and that for many years, right? Many, many years. So what's what's the difference between three years ago and six months ago on a bat? The thing with that would be there's there's only one thing that can really be different, okay? And it would have to be uh, the, the particular strain of the virus. You know, if the the virus, the RNA of the virus somehow uh, has been changed and therefore make, making the virus uh, uh, either uh, easier to enter into cells, more virulent, that kind of stuff, that could change the, the whole pattern. But yeah, if they've been, um, um, uh, you know, as you're saying, and it really it's on the internet, yeah, they've been consuming uh, uh, those type of um, animal products for food for a while, then why all of a sudden, you know, do we have this virus here? Uh, but that would be that's what I would think. Somehow, um, I won't say the virus mutates because again, it has no DNA. But somehow, um, the um, maybe the RNA in the virus has changed. How much pressure do you have on you now to look at this virus, or are you examining this virus on a daily basis? Uh, describe your job. Well, you know, I would, you know, in the where I'm working now is in the Delta, and. Um, we're taking certainly the precautions as people come into the emergency room. Um, I don't think there's a lot of pressure uh, to to really, you know, um, I think, it, you know, we, we, we pretty much everything, the virus figured out. I mean, they've got the structure of the virus. They have a vaccine to it. Um, they know how it's transmitted. I think now it's just the fact of uh, getting uh, to the trials of the, the, the new uh, vaccine and then seeing what, what protocols will work for people to get really sick. I mean, will they benefit from steroids? Is it IV antibiotics? Are they going to use immunosuppressive drugs? And then there's now immunotherapy. You know, they can also use an ICU. So uh, working those protocols are going to take a little while. You know, I, I thought about this earlier today as well. This this whole pandemic thing, the media is really drumming it up, aren't they? Yes, exactly. Definitely. I think that um, that's... Um, a lot of what's caused fear in the public of a lot of people um, is that um, uh, the quarantines, which I think are appropriate, you know, separating people so it won't be spread, uh, but really putting the, the death toll um, and the severe of the cases and not really pointing out that, again, um, you know, the group that, that's been uh, affected, uh, over 60, you know, compromised individuals. Um, and they're not pointing out that look at our look at the kids. <laughs> they're not getting sick at all. So um, right now, um, America's children are at greater risk for morbidity and mortality uh, from the flu virus than the coronavirus. Okay, so <laughs> um, that could give you an idea of what's to come in the future. Where do where do you see this ending up in in, in the very end of all this? Are we gonna? 
um, have a financial collapse. Uh, I know Canada, uh, here, up here in Canada, that we have some legislation now saying that you can actually push off defer payments on your home, uh, your your student loans, this and that. Wow. Is this, is this the beginning of something even bigger? I mean, we're going to go through a recession. We know that, right? Exactly. Right. No doubt. But... Is it really, no doubt. Is it really necessary? Like, how does how does coronavirus affect the markets? I don't really understand the the direct correlation between you know Apple and the coronavirus, right? Like, why are why are why are why are people afraid? You know, does that make sense to you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You know what? Um, I don't know. I really I really don't know the answer to that one. Um, I certainly think you know. Um, you know, it's, it can crash the economy. Certainly, we don't have people going to jobs, so therefore. Uh, we're not, you know, generate tax revenue, and um, and so that could affect um, uh, things that uh, uh, they they need government money to run. So um, I can see how there could be a uh, collapse of the economy, no doubt. We we live in scary times, and it, sometimes you look back at how your life was two months ago, and um, now and in Los Angeles, they've been told to stay in their homes. Uh, here in Canada, they've told us to. Uh, just if we don't need to go to work, we shouldn't go to work. Although some of us work outside construction workers, uh, utility workers, they're all needed. Doctors are needed, but can you explain how important it is to stay home? If you have any symptoms, just in regards to protecting the healthcare workers. No doubt. That's a, um, <clears throat> certainly a good uh, topic to talk on. I'm glad you brought that up. So, so, so this is this is the deal. So, if you um, suspect even that you have the coronavirus, but your symptoms are, are mild, so you suspect you have it, you may have cough, you may have um, a mild fever, and uh, and in that's one scenario. And then the other scenario is that you know someone who has the coronavirus, and you've come in direct contact with that person, so now you're worried. So those two types of individuals are at home. And so what's recommended is that you call your, your local private care doctor so they can give you directions. Now, we don't want people coming to the emergency room who are in those two situations because um, you can pretty much what's, you can spread the virus, you know, by going into emergency rooms and just coming out of society. Um, we want you to actually stay home. We want you to, to clean your, the tops of your counters, your tables. If there are other people in the home with you, then we want you to isolate yourself um, from those other individuals. In other words, if there are rooms in the front of the house and rooms in the back of the house, we prefer that, you know, that'd be a separation. Um, and, um, but that's, yeah, those are important things. Um, and certainly staying home until there's further direction by your, your primary care doctor. Now, the interesting situation that I'm going to be in, again, on the front line dealing with this illness, is that we're going to have patients um, who are at the point where um, they can't really call in. And so there are some very sick patients that are going to show up in the emergency room who have called 911, who are unable to breathe, who um, are probably, again, very confused um, after uh, being hypoxic for probably a while. And so a family member is going to call 911, or they're going to call 911. And so that person is going to show up um, into the emergency room, and and, um, and those are the patients that we will have to deal with. 
so far as the exposure of the staff, uh, I think that uh, it's going to be inevitable um, to not have a lot of positive doctors and positive nurses walking around, particularly emergency rooms. It's, it's definitely going to happen. So how do you guys um, protect yourselves at the hospital? I mean, obviously, you guys probably wear full-on suits. Is there um, a separation wing? Like, do you guys separate a certain area for patients that have coronavirus and uh, regular patients, I guess you would call them, right? Uh, what What's the deal at your hospital? And, you know, that's the way that I believe ideally they, they should do it. You know, if they have uh, either set up an adjacent type of facility where those patients could be dealt with. But this is the reality um, how things are going. Now, it varies at each hospital, you know, their policies and how they're going to deal with coronavirus. Now, where I'm working uh, now is in the Delta. It's actually in Mississippi. And um, we are selectively uh, wearing face masks. masks. I mean, in other words, not everyone is wearing a face mask. Um, some people are choosing to wear them all day long. People, Other people are choosing, um, you know, if they go into a room where, hey, this is obvious, this person may have the coronavirus with a cough or a fever, then they're wearing um, more than the face mask. They're wearing the face mask. And then we have also um, uh, uh, gowns and gloves on. So it's kind of like total uh, pr- uh, protection from um, air transmission and then contact transmission. So that they have contact um, gear on and they also have um, mask on. Is it possible to have uh, the coronavirus after the 14-day quarantine period? Like say you show no symptoms after the 14 days or the right. 16 or 20 days. Can you right. contract it if you're in self-isolation? Is there like a delay on how no it doubt. kicks in? And can you get it again after having no symptoms, after you had it the first time? So I don't know about getting it again. Um, I would assume probably not. But, um, yeah, certainly after the 14 days, um, you can still uh, become infected. Um, but... They're really, they're really putting you there 14 days. They're trying to see if your symptoms are going to develop. What they found is in the first 14 days, the most severe symptoms um, of this disease, which is severe respiratory failure, um, develops in 14 days. And so if you don't develop those symptoms um, uh, within 14 days, then, you know, that's when they say, okay, we feel okay about you. You know, they're probably still, they still probably want to self-quarantine, but, um, um, they feel, we feel better about it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on the show, uh, doctor. And, um, this show was called meet me for coffee. And I, I really, I wanted to cater this show to having real conversations with people. And I just want to ask you, do you drink coffee? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Coffee how, how do you take and, your coffee? Um, how do you take your coffee? Well, typically, um, if I drink coffee, it's just, I, I, I usually just drink it black and I use stevia. Um, but I do like things like, I like the cappuccino um, and some of the other things they have at Starbucks. Perfect. Well, you just had coffee, man. And I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, this is going to be the uh, first installment of the show. And I really think that it's a very good opportunity for people to learn a bit more about coronavirus. I actually put on uh, my social media. I asked my, my, my fans and my family and my friends if they have any questions. And uh, these are some of the questions that they came up with. So um, 
very appreciative. I know it's a hard time for everyone right now. And uh, just stay safe out there. And hopefully we'll reconnect soon. Thanks for inviting me to the show. I appreciate that.